Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam. Ooh, boom, shakalaka. Welcome to another team preview on 48 Minutes Network. This is New Orleans Pelicans time. Uh, really excited to talk about this one, a team that made some uh, surprised some people last year and made a deep playoff run. Uh, Tim Daniel here actually filling in for Kyle Brandon on the other team show this week. So I am here. We're doing a little Here Come the Young Guns reunion. Absolutely. Myself and my man, 100 Graham, Ben Brown. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's going on, my man? You doing all right? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Ready to... Uh... Get into the Pelicans, baby. Let's roll. Yeah, so joining us to talk to Pelicans, we went all the way to Chicago, Illinois. How do you like that? That's interesting. Um, <laughs> joining us from the Bird Rights, uh, he is none other than one of the great writers over there. This is Chris Connor. Chris, welcome to 48 Minutes. How are you? Man, it's a blessing to be on. How's everybody doing? Doing well, man. Doing well. We're excited. Uh, we were doing a little pre-talk here, and they said you are a Pelicans writer. In Chicago, so <laughs> so uh, yeah. we're, uh, that was kind of odd to hear. You know, of course, my man Tim Daniel here is a huge Chicago Bulls fan. So, Unfortunately, you know, and your first two words out of your mouth were "ooh" and "ew." Hundred <laughs> percent, man. All, but you know, all my friends that are that are in Chicago, they're all Bulls fans. So it's not a it's not a "ew" in any other um, any other manner other than I'm just tired of hearing about the Bulls every. Um, <laughs> you know, you know what, Chris. When I talk about the Bulls, I say ooh and eh, too. So, <laughs> so for, we get into some conversations about the Pelicans, most importantly, Anthony Davis. Um, this is 48 Minutes, brought to you by 48MinutesNetwork.com, where you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeartRadio. You can hit your, up your good friend Alexa, or most importantly, you can get us on Spotify. Check out all of our podcasts of the past, including all of our team previews we've done so far. Uh, before we get, we, we can talk about those till the uh, till the cows come home. Chris, let's talk about the New Orleans Pelicans and what a year they had, um, especially battling not having Demarcus Cousins serve most of the year. You know, Anthony Davis just goes to another level, which it seems like every year he's at a different, le- he's at a higher and higher level. He's just unbelievable. Um, Rajon Rondo is a huge part for you guys. Obviously, he's gone with Boogie. You know, Drew Holiday has a great year where you really see how good he can be off the ball. And you guys go and get Nikola Mirotic from the Bulls for Omer Sheik, which Bulls fans were so happy to have Omer Sheik back, I'll tell you what. Um, <laughs> what. What did you think about last year? I think, you know, this was really the first time we really saw Alvin Gentry's system come together. We really saw this team really be formidable and really kind of play as a team because, you know, that Warriors series a few years back when Davis made it a series by himself, when you guys played Portland, you know, Davis was was balling, Holiday was balling, Rondo was balling, Darius Miller had some really big plays off the bench, Nikola Mirotic was making shots. You guys were doing everything right for a while for the season. Yeah, I mean, it was just one of those one of those seasons that, you know, if you've been if you've been covering or, or watching the team for the past few years, you know, it's like anytime something, you know, you're blessed with something positive that happens, it's you know, you're almost cringing waiting for the bad thing to happen. And, you know, uh, earlier in the season, they uh, they had to they were trying to fend off 
uh, Rajon Rondo being being injured for a little bit. He got hurt in the preseason and he missed about the first month and some change, uh, I believe. So, you know, the whole the whole point of him coming here was supposed to it was supposed to help out Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday was gonna was gonna go off the ball. He was finally healthy. He didn't have to worry about uh, any 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 off the court issues. He saw the crisis or family uh, crisis that he had to deal with mm-hmm. uh, in regards to his wife and his uh, and his child last uh, the year before last. So it it felt like everything was 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 gonna come together. And then you have you have Anthony Davis, you have Demarcus Cousins. They're 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 best friends, and you know you get a chance to see uh with the with the full team and a full healthy team around them maybe what they can put together most people don't think that this that this big this this two big man lineup is going to work uh ignoring the fact that these two big guys are unlike any duo that we've really um ever seen uh on a on a on an NBA floor at this at this stages of you know both the where they were at but um so that happens. You're already uh, trying to overcome Solomon Hill, who was supposed to be your starting small forward. His injury, he tears his his, uh, his hamstring before before training camp. So you're trying to do some shuff, some roster shuffling there. And they start out slow. Drew Holiday isn't isn't having well isn't having a good October. Fans are like, man, you know, this is uh, what what are we gonna do? You know, we shouldn't have gave Drew all this money. And then. They they kind of go back and forth between 500, under 500, few games over 500, and then something clicks. They win six straight, uh, or they're 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 on their way to winning six straight, and they're facing the best team in basketball at the time, the Houston Rockets. And around this time, at this time, the Rockets hadn't um, when Chris Paul and, and James Harden were both on the floor at the, the starting healthy, uh, hadn't lost a game. Pelicans end up wrapping or on their way to wrapping this game up, and then I mean the city is going wild. Twitter, Twitter is going wild, and while you know I'm in Chicago, but I can feel you know like you know you feel being being from there because that that's basically why I'm from New Orleans. Uh, you could feel something something brewing, and then that shoe drops that we talked about. Demarcus Cousins tears his Achilles, and it's like man, like I, I mean, what do we what do you do now? Um, Demps has always have always had his back against the wall. Uh, the general manager of the of the Pelicans, and he pulls a trade for for uh, Nico Miritich for a first round pick, and um, and gets Omer Ashik somehow to you know, to be to be put in a deal. You know, he finds a way to work that magic. And um, yeah, I mean, outside of that, some unheralded guys that you that you spoke about, Darius Miller, that a lot of people didn't know about who played in Germany uh, years years uh, before. Um, you got Ian Clark, who you know was. Deal, who you know you get for for nothing. They actually got him at, at the beginning of of of, uh, of August. Things totally changed. Now Anthony Davis is playing four five, and they're able to really really kind of stretch their wings in regards to this is how we're gonna play. We're gonna run up and down. We're gonna be the fastest team in basketball, and we're gonna find a way to make this thing work. And then something, and then things just click. Nico Nico Meritage started off. He he started off a little rough. But then they put him in the starting lineup, and he had a monster April coming coming into the playoffs. In March, they had a they had a huge winning streak, I believe, of up to um, I think close to or, or right at 10, 10 wins. And Davis gets hurt, and they kind of tail off a little bit. But um, I mean, outside of the summary, man, I mean, it was it was a season about adversity, and it was it was definitely a roller coaster. But they were that team, and about. 
I guess, you know, the coach, the general manager. You know, I found out a lot about about guys that, you know, or things about guys that I really didn't know. Um, it was clear Anthony Davis wasn't going. Every injury he had, you know, he came – he takes at least seven to eight visits to the locker room, you know, per season. And we get that questionable to return. And he made it – I mean, it's, it's – I mean, listen, and it, it's funny, but it's true. We get that questionable to return so often, man. It never it never fails with AD. But he came back into more games this year with, with that questionable um, – well, I'm sorry, last year with that questionable return tag than I'd seen him in previous years. You could tell that he was motivated to prove some prove some doubters wrong on his end as well. Uh, Drew Holiday had the best had the, had the best year of his career. If uh, if it wasn't for an illness, he would have played all 82 games. And you know you saw what he can do. The na- a national on a on a national level, we got to see uh, what he can do defensively as well as the 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 put together presence he is from the uh, on the offensive side of the floor. So I mean, a lot of things just came together, man. Rondo taught this team a lot. You know, I mean, he was a coach on and off the floor, Absolutely. even when you know he. Even when he was out and he was on the bench, or you know, Elvin Gentry wouldn't wouldn't play him. You could you could see him barking at not only his team but the other team. Um, and outside of that, man, it's just you know you know young guys you know coming in do, you know doing their best to make things work. Check Diallo, uh, you know, young guy from Kansas who you know who was a former top recruit. Uh, and I can you know I can go on and on about about a lot of the, you know the different players, but them rolling into that into that playoff series, just feeling confident about themselves. They felt like they belonged. They had they had overcome devastation already when most people had counted them out, um, and they had played their best basketball you know of the that they, that they had played in some time since that 2014 season that you spoke about, man. So all in all, it was a season about adversity. You you know you found out a lot about the guys that were there. It was an introduction for a lot of guys, and um, you know I mean it may be some sort of a future glimpse to what you could possibly see from the team. Um, this season and beyond. Yeah, I'm excited about um, their roster. Um, I was really excited about their addition of Julius Randle. Now you lose Boogie Cousins and Rondo. But to me, Julius Randle is one of those guys that he could be a 20-10 and 10 guy. Man, um, talk about he, it. I mean, he's he gets up the floor well. He's so athletic. Um, you know, in that Lakers, in that Lakers up and down pace, I mean, he was kind of a good fit there. Um, I like that they added him uh, with Anthony Davis. Uh, he's more of the muscle guy as well. So, I mean, he's a guy that's going to go in there and get you 10 to 12 rebounds a game. And, he, like I said, he can be a 20-point uh, scorer. I mean, how do you see uh, Anthony Davis, uh, Nico, and Julius Randle down in the post? How do you see that all fitting together uh, for this Pelicans team? Well, I think – and. It's going to be interesting in training camp to see which which avenue that Alvin Gentry wants to go in regards to who starts. You know, is do you do you start Nico and bring Julius Randle off the bench uh, mm-hmm. for for spacing purposes, especially when you consider how well Nico and AD play on the on the floor together, not just offensively but defensively. I didn't I, I didn't know that uh well watching Nico in Chicago, <laughs> I didn't know that you know that was that a slight I didn't. <laughs> yeah, just a, just a little bit, just a little bit. I didn't know that he was um, as well as a defender in certain in certain stretches as he showed. 
Um, you know, you know, he was a he was an okay shot blocker when he was uh, uh, as soon as he got to New Orleans. I, I saw him switch well on pick and rolls, or better better than I thought that he would. He challenged shots a lot better than I you know than I knew he could. Um, you know, I mean, he's not perfect in, in in any means. I'm you know I'm not saying he'll be up for a, um, all NBA defensive team by you know by any right. stretch, but he's better than I thought he was. So it's going to be interesting if you go if if Alvin goes with that, and I think that's the route that he would go. But man, I mean, Julius Randle is an interesting case, man. I, you know, I think about it. Um, he's improved every year that he's been in the league. Every mm-hmm. year he was in LA, and this is a guy that was fighting trade rumors. Um, you know, from the minute he stepped he stepped in on a Lakers, you know, floor, um, he was fighting um, conditioning issues. He was fighting rotation issues. I mean, he would be in the starting lineup this game, and he'd be in the, you know, he'd be on the bench this game. You know, you really, it didn't seem like that he had a bunch, a lot of consistency going on around him. And then it was, you know, I mean, it's the Lake Show, so there's always some sort of drama going, uh, going on there. But Absolutely. he still, one way or another, found a way to continue to get better. And uh, the best thing about him and this system, outside of the fact that that, outside of his motor. Um, and his effort is the—it's the pace that he plays. Mm-hmm. He likes to run up and down the floor. Absolutely. You know, you'll see him—you'll see him get a rebound and go and go Charles Barkley and just go from from one end of the floor all the way to the end. You know, uh, finishing finishing buckets. He's also very fearless. I see him against—I um, have a, uh, a bunch of different videos that I've been watching lately of him strictly just going against Rudy Gobert mm-hmm. and whether it be battling for an offensive rebound. Or just trying to finish or going for going for a putback, he's another guy. He's better defensively than I thought he would. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when he ended up losing weight two uh, two years ago, it helped out his lateral quickness, which helped him out on on the defensive side of the floor. He's never going to be um, a shot blocker uh, because of his because of his size, but he's able to stay in front of people um, and recover as well. So I like a lot of the things that you know that he can add. Be that um, you know he he has a a bully type of uh, style to his game. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's very important, when, you know, to put next to Anthony Davis, somebody that's going to go out there, you know, and work um, almost twice as hard as AD would Absolutely. Uh, out there. I mean, I, I think that that's very important uh, when you when you think about what AD, because Anthony doesn't want to play the five, but he's reluctantly doing it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that he's realizing how important that that's going to be uh, uh, for him in the team long term. But not even just Julius. I mean, I like to see Nico. And uh, well, I mean, I'm sorry, not just AD. I like to see Nico and Julius Randle on the same floor together. They, you know, both of those guys. Neither of them are very, are very selfish. Nico can get a little, um, you know, he he can, you know, uh, jack up a few shots that he probably shouldn't. No uh, way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you know, he has that he has that uh, that uh, heat check uh, syndrome every mm-hmm. every once in a while. But when he gets hot, you know, when he gets hot, he's hot. Right. I think both of those guys are fairly unselfish. They're both they both seem to be, you know, team guys. Nico doesn't have to worry about anybody punching him in the face over here. You know, so <laughs> You took uh, my joke for my next there it was. Yeah, you took my joke. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you know, so I mean, I think I think they both seem like guys that want to be in New Orleans. Um and given the fact they're both still relatively young, I think Elvin's gonna find a way to, you know, to make it work. I think they're both you're both looking at guys that are gonna play over thirty minutes a game. I'm not sure how you how they necessarily want to stagger them, and if they and I'm interested in at what point will you see a lineup where all three of them are on the floor at once? You know, uh, maybe Alvin ch- channels his inner David Fisdale 
uh, coach for the Knicks who talked about maybe mm-hmm. at some point running a running a lineup with uh, Mitchell Robinson, Porzingis, and uh, Kevin Knox. Sign me up so, for that. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm down. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> so you know, I mean, I I think you're looking at three different guys that all do different things well, and they can they can they can fit um, as long as um, these guys are you know continue to be to be unselfish and their roles are um, I think fairly established. <clears throat> so. Talking about guys you guys added, I'm going to go a little close to home here. You mentioned Darius Miller, Kentucky. Obviously, we live in that area. We're, we're right in the Cincinnati area. So, oh, yeah, I'm a big uh, Xavier Musketeer fan. You guys had a two-way contract. You added one of my favorite Xavier players ever. Mm-hmm. I take that back. My favorite Xavier player ever, and Trayvon Blewett. Yeah. Um, had an incredible summer league. He was one of the most efficient scorers in summer league. He was one of the most efficient scorers in Division One basketball last year. Your stereotypical Pop, uh, catch and pop shooter. Um, yep. What do you see? You know, is he someone? I know the two way. You can only be on the NBA roster for forty five days. Can you yeah. see him developing a role for this Pelicans team? Maybe not necessarily this year, but maybe like Antonio Blakely has for the Bulls, or like Duncan Robinson is going to try to for the Heat. These two way guys, these John Hollins in Cleveland, that are really kind of getting a chance to get their shot. Okay, yeah. So, uh, and, and first of all, I definitely want to shout out to uh, Antonio Blakeney. Uh, I'm a big, I'm a big LSU lover, uh, and uh, I definitely uh, remember him and well had had high hopes for him when he was at LSU. Yeah, local uh, fans remember him too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah. I mean, outside of that, man. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think with with Blewett. One thing that's that's working in his favor is that, and I don't know if the Pelicans will be open about this, but they're begging for anybody to to for, for any wing to step up and um and and, and grab additional to uh, Darius Miller and I and I think preferably they would they they would want a small four because you know you have each one more is more than likely going to be the starting the starting small forward. Um, and no disrespect to Etwan, I love I love what Etwan can do, uh, but when you run into one of the bigger issues that the Pelicans end up facing when they face teams that both they have two big guards or mm-hmm. two big wings, eventually now you can you can survive with Drew Holiday on one of them, but you know when you face a Minnesota that has Andrew Wiggins and Jimmy Butler, when you face a Golden State as we saw of course with you know Clay Thompson you know and Kevin Durant, or you face a um, um, a Milwaukee with uh, with Giannis and Chris Middleton, and you know these these are just teams off the top of my head. It eventually causes problems having three guys out there that aren't over six four, right? Um, and don't and each one is a really good defender, but you probably but but you rather him play a shooting guard or you know what some sort of combo guard type of set instead of being on the floor as a small forward, right? So. If you can get a guy like Blewett who play, and, I, and I'm gonna tell you, man, my guys at the Bird Rights love him. Uh, my editor and uh, and uh, two of the two of the uh, contributors there as well went to summer league and actually watched them play live, and they were and they were they were in love with this man, and um, in reference to his shot release, um, how quickly you know how confident he was in his shot, his sneaky ability to be able to create create off the dribble. Um, and being able to finish, they got they got a lot of guys that that are that, that going to be vying for that additional um, small forward shooting guard type of type of role because they're they're begging anyone to take it. You know, um, Solomon Hill 
as I mean, we're hoping, everyone's hoping that he can come back healthy, but floor, can he knock down a consistent three-point shot? And if he isn't going to be able to do it, it's hard to keep him out there with the amount of bigs that you have to play on a regular. So, mm-hmm. um, and then, I mean, you have you have Alfred Payton, and I mean, I will, you can talk about Alfred um, uh, a little bit later, but you know, whether it's Blewett, whether it's uh, Gerald Green's brother, um, whether it's um, Troy Troy Williams for the for the Knicks, and it's another guy you know that I'm missing. They have about three guys that are going to be fighting uh, come training camp and come preseason for that spot. And one one uh one leg up that Blewett may end up having is that I believe he's the best shooter out of out of the three. Right. And you know they're gonna they're gonna look for as many guys that can space the floor offensively and knock down shots. Well, you're going to get a lot from him, I'll tell you, is he's the best four-point play shooter I think I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> I um, I was lucky to be credentialed at Xavier this year, and there was a game they played Georgetown. It was like 12 seconds to go in the game. It was 77-73. And he pulled a four-point play to tie the game, and they won in overtime. And I've seen him do that three or four times in his college career. I've never seen a guy that makes four-point plays happen like he does. Well, that would that would fit really well uh, with the uh, with the Pelicans because uh, Darius Miller, if I'm correct, mm-hmm. finished finished top five in um in four point plays for the season. So uh, I I'd, I'd love I'd love to have an additional guy that could that could end up uh, giving uh giving four point plays uh, on the regular. That'd be dope. All right, Darius is a hometown guy for us, so we uh, we always root for him. So absolutely. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Drew Holiday. Um, yes, yes, yes. I, uh, I mean, he's always, to me, he's always been one of those guys that, that, that kind of uh, flew under the radar as far as uh, performance-wise. Not that he didn't perform, but, I mean, it seems like he was one of those guys that nobody ever talked about as one of those top, you know, shooting shooting guards, point guards, somewhere in there. Last year, I feel like he had a, a coming-out party a little bit, um, you know, averaging 19 and, and 6. Um, what do you... I mean, what do you think was a part of that growth? I mean, he, to me, you know, he stood out outside of Anthony Davis. He was the guy that kind of, uh, kind of shouldered that load a little bit with Anthony Davis last year. What was, what's your thoughts on why he kind of emerged as one of those guys? Um, I I think while I think Rajon Rondo was was very important for Drew, um, you know, giving him giving him a lot of a lot of easier looks, um. We saw later in the season, and you know, most people that didn't that didn't they didn't key in on on the Pelicans game in and game out. And I, you know, I understand uh, that a hundred percent. They assume that Rajon Rondo leaving is going to really hurt. And once once Drew got something, he he got things going last season. Uh, they would they would come to a point where Alvin would put. Rajon Rondo on the bench for, let's say, the whole fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Rajon would start the first. He would end up playing a good majority of the first, maybe maybe parts of the second uh, of the of the second quarter. Miss a good a good portion of the half. Start out the third and basically do the do the same thing. Certain matchups where you know there was a, a quicker guard that, that Rondo couldn't stay with. He just wasn't wasn't given the uh, defensive effort, or he was a liability that night. From a shooting perspective, Alvin would he would put him on the bench. Right. And Drew would go back to being the ball handler on the on the team when needed. And it it worked. It it worked a hundred percent. So I think that there was um 
um, a bunch of there were a few different things that that, that ended up uh, making Drew have the year that he had. Um, you know, the year the year before he. I'm sure part of him felt like he had to rush back to join the Pelicans, right. uh, going through going through that tough that the tough situation with uh, with his wife Lauren Holiday and his mm-hmm. kid, as we talked about earlier. So he had to rush back to that. And then uh, later later on in the season, he was you know he was battling an injury. Uh, the year before that, again battling injury, but all but they were all different type of injuries. When he first got to New Orleans, he had to battle. Uh, he was battling leg injuries. And which, and, and which he couldn't, you know, what, that some of it, you know, people, um, it, it was later found out that um, there was some sort of issue that stemmed back to his time in Philadelphia hmm. uh, that ended up playing into his time in New Orleans. So his first few years, he was battling injuries, you know, and then when he when he's when he's finally healthy, he has a family crisis. Right. Last year was the first year since he's been in New Orleans in which he was able to just you know what I'm saying? It All was right. it. He, you know, he didn't have any any distractions. And then, you know, you got to remember when he first got here, the backcourt was was extremely crowded. Right. Had, oh yeah. You know, you had Eric Gordon, Tyreek Evans. Um, you know, you had other guys that you know they needed the basketball as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Anderson to go with the young uh, and upcoming Anthony Davis. Right. So you know you have those type of issues, and then Drew is in and out of the line of battle injury, and then when he gets back. Eric Gordon is out, and then when and then when they get back, you know Tyreek is out, or you know who who whoever's hurt. Right. And I think a lot of that can um, can 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 play a role in that sense of inconsistency that you saw. And on top of that, he wasn't a finished player yet. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know he's still his 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 long range shooting has always been streaky at best. Right. Um, and, and, and even and even last year it still was, but I think last year was the first year that he didn't have to deal with any sort of off the court issues. He didn't have to worry about rehabbing for an injury. He was a hundred percent. Saw him. You saw it take place in his game. Eight playing eighty one games. So yeah. you saw things that you didn't even know he could do. He became uh, one of the better post up guards uh, offensively. You know, uh, I don't think most people saw that. And then on defense, you got a chance to see eighty one games. What he can be as a Swiss Army knife, whether it's guarding someone that's extremely um, much larger than him, well, larger than him from a frame perspective. Or even guarding or hounding someone, whether it be Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, CJ mm-hmm. McCollum, you know, uh, CJ CJ got it the worst. But, um, <laughs> but maybe he'll do his podcast. Maybe we can talk. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk about it. This CJ McCollum's podcast is becoming fire. So maybe no, maybe so. Uh, but I mean, that's what that's what I would I would kind of um, point at. You know, he got a chance to, to just to just play free. He had more opportunity. Um, and he definitely put in some work uh, as a as a basketball player. He took, you know, he he stopped settling for any bad jump shot. Right. Yeah, and every once in a while, you know, his his go to will be a step back three. It's unbalanced. It's long. It's gonna hit the back the back iron and be running back to play defense. Right. <laughs> um, but I mean, Drew was able to play. Man, was was finally able to play a um, a full season, and um, you know, it definitely showed the improvements that he had been trying to work on. He had the ball in his hands a lot more. I mean, it just felt like everything came together for him uh, on the floor, man. And you know, it's just one of those things. You know, when, when it's when it's right, it's right. I Absolutely. mean, look at Joel Oladipo, look at Victor. You know, mm-hmm. in uh, in Indiana. That's right, like, baby. Click. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think that, uh, and we also, I mean, 
you get lost in the fact. I mean, he's been around so long. He's only 28 years old. So I mean, right. his game is going to develop, and and uh, you could definitely see that he put in the work in in the off season. Um, yeah, you guys have the good holiday. You did. <laughs> Listen, hey, hey, no, see, but see, what you don't know is Pelicans Twitter. They uh, they thought we had the wrong holiday when the season started because remember remember Justin got off to this scorching yeah. start yeah he did before yeah he got off to this amazing start before before Chris Dunn and Zach Levine got there and then the Bulls just they didn't know what to do anymore and when Justin got off hot Drew was struggling man Drew yeah. Drew couldn't hit a shot he still was trying to figure out how to how to get his but play with 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 Boogie and AD and it just was ugly he couldn't do anything right. And then when Justin started to tail, tail off a little bit, right before that, that's when Drew really, really took off and became, uh, you know, I mean, he looked like one of the one of the best combo guards in the league right now. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's funny you say that because on Twitter, man, when the season started, everybody wanted to trade Drew for Justin. <laughs> they was killing. Hey, we will take that trade if you guys still want to do that. Let us know. <laughs> Yeah, actually, you know what? It's John Paxson. He probably wouldn't take that trade. He'll probably find a way to be like, Drew is 28 and Justin's 25. No. No, I know. We can't have a Gasol, a Gasol trade here. Um, so let me ask you this, Chris, because obviously it's going to be a big topic for this team for this year and next. Um, obviously, Anthony Davis in the last couple of years of his contract in New Orleans, he has done everything possible but win a championship in New Orleans. He's been amazing. All-Star Game MVP. Had a case for MVP this year, in my opinion, might be the second best player in the NBA. Mm. Um, are you concerned that you're going to have the last two years of Anthony Davis in New Orleans, or do you think there's a case that he will stay for his career? Um, I, I mean, I think anytime you you have a superstar and you're covering a team and you're a fan of a team of a small market, that that scare is always is always present. You know, absolutely. Um, you know, you know, I see Milwaukee fans right now. You know, loving, loving um, uh, Giannis right now and all the wonderful things he's saying right now. But let let a, let a couple seasons mm-hmm. go by where they where they where they struggle or they they get bounced out in the yeah. first round. Let a couple coaches come. You know, let uh, Budenholzer not not work out there, and they got to put in a, a few new coaches and watch what happens. Watch it, watch it turn out a little bit. Watch all the articles come out about. You know uh, how someone needs to save Giannis. Uh, answer the uh, 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 I can't. I never can say the Cooper. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch, watch all those articles come out of all the all the trade rumors that make sense because that's exactly what Anthony Davis has had to deal with ever since the um, ever since the season that that he signed the extension. I mean, you know, you 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 got to think back. When they won, when they got to the playoffs that year, you know, it, they had it was a bunch of, of like that team was a band aid still. It, like it was still a band aid. A lot of things in there, they, you know, we still hadn't seen them all, um, you know, from uh, we hadn't seen them completely healthy with um, a bunch of different games together. Like the core was so was so often in and out the lineup. This guy's hurt. That guy's hurt. We never got to see their full potential, you know. So. Around that time, he signs that extension. They go ahead and they re-sign Omer, you know, Ashik, a trade that was that was laughed about forever. And then, you know, they they re-sign Alexis Agenta to um, a five-year, I believe, twenty-five million dollar deal as well. And ever since after after that year, I mean, up until last season, it was it was hell. It was absolute hell. And once they failed, 
and the guys around him started to break down and, 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 and people started to leave. Uh, Ryan Anderson could no longer uh, be the stretch forward that he once was when he first entered the league because mm-hmm. of the way that, that, that the size and speed of a stretch forward had changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, as, as that started to break down, they fired Monty Williams. And so many things started to change, and you started to look, okay, they, this looks like incompetence. They don't look like, you know, the organization doesn't look like they're fit to have. And then you, and then, then you look back at, well, you know, they did lose Chris Paul five years earlier. They did lose, you know, and, you know, you start thinking over and over and over again. You, you know, you go into the ownership situation, and, you know, there's so much inconsistency and whips and, you know, draft picks traded. And you look around like, man, if you're, a, if you're AD, why would you want to stay? Um, and then last year clicks. Last mm-hmm. year clicks, you know, from from top to bottom. The year, uh, the the year prior at the at the All Star break, they pull off that that miraculous trade to get to get to Marcus Cousins, right? Which, you know, which which is still a steal in my mind. Absolutely. Uh, you know, so everything everything around that. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, you definitely would think without without last season, I would be a lot more worried than you know than I am now. But I think it's always in the back of your mind, man. Every small market, you know, you look at how the I mean, who thought that they would, that the armor would ever chink in um, with the uh, San Antonio Spurs mm-hmm. and Kawhi Leonard? Like, you know, whoever thought that that would get to a you know a spot like that to where people they aren't even questioning if his relationship broke down with San Antonio. People, some people believe that he just wants to be in L.A. Right. You know, so I mean, it can happen, man. It can happen anywhere. And a guy that is as loyal as Anthony Davis, who is often been compared to Kevin Garnett, and how Kevin was in Minnesota. Even it, and while it took everything for you know um, Boston and Minnesota to come to come to a trade because Kevin didn't want to leave Minnesota when he ended up getting traded, but he finally gave in. You know, frustration. You know, eventually, it, I mean, it, it's it's going to hit you in between the eyes if you continue mm-hmm. being around uh, some sort of incompetence and you're seeing guys around you your age flourishing who aren't as talented as you. Well, yeah. So. I mean, I, I definitely think it's in the back of my mind. You know, I think it's it's always there. But New Orleans is doing everything that they can to continue to put talented guys around him. And I think as long as they can stay, as long as they can, you know, can finish this season with another playoff appearance, and maybe they're surprised and they go a little bit higher than, you know, than that. Maybe they win another first-round series. Uh, maybe at the trading deadline, someone, another, a wing is unhappy and Dale Dimps goes and trades like his 75th first-round pick. Then, you know, uh, <laughs> since he's been in New Orleans, he trades another first-round pick, and he goes and gets a wing, and the team takes off to another level. I mean, there's so many different different elements to it. But I'm confident about the roster that's on the floor. I'm confident about about it seems like they're finally – everybody's going to be healthy now. Mm-hmm. You don't have the, the distraction of um, the breakdown that happened with DeMarcus Cousins after his injury and the contract and, you know, uh, whatever type of – issues that happen in the locker room that we don't know about uh it's it's ad's team and if they can stay healthy i think that they can be a playoff team i think that that, that they can win the city is going to continue to put their arms around him they're going to want him and love him so if they can take care of that and you can just and you can get him to sign another extension contract in new orleans maybe you you increase your opportunity of getting another star because that's i mean in, in all honesty they're one wing away from being able to contend in the West. They're one above average to good to great wing away from mm-hmm. being able to really seriously contend in the West. Not saying that they can beat Golden State, they can beat Houston in a seven-game series, but they can be right there with one of those guys. So 
Yeah, man. I mean, that question. I mean, I think it's there, but when you when you bring on the you know whoever whatever writer you bring in from Milwaukee, you gonna have to ask him the same question at some point. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, like like, like you yeah. know what I'm saying. I mean, it's just it's present when you when you have a superstar of this magnitude in a small market with a team that isn't uh, with the organization that isn't in San Antonio that doesn't have a, a history of winning um, championships or um, being late. In the playoffs come, you know, May, June, you know, so on and so forth. Right. Yeah, well, I know, yeah, you're absolutely right. Milwaukee people are definitely shaking in their boots because that time's coming. Um, but Anthony Davis, I think, is just a different a different a mold, a different breed. Um, you know, and, and all those guys, bottom line to all of them, is that they want a, an opportunity to win a championship. So, um, mm-hmm. we were talking as a 48, uh, 48 minutes crew and staff. Um, and we threw out the question, MVPs for next year, and I threw out Anthony Davis. Um, what are your thoughts on his ability in that market and, and playing in the Western Conference with a newly minted LeBron James in L.A.? Uh, what are your thoughts on, do you think that Anthony Davis has the opportunity to win the MVP? You think that's a, the, you think that's a shot for him? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, he definitely has a shot. They're, they're going to have to win. Uh, for say, but I mean, I, I look at it like this: if you're not Golden State or Houston, um, and you, or you know, say, say the San Antonio Spurs, because while while people may be you know shaking their head and wondering how many wins that that the Spurs are going to win, or or, or 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 how many games, I'm sorry, that they, that they're going to win, if they get to, if they get to 50 games, everyone's going to be every, everyone's going to be saying, oh well, it's Popovich, you know, this is what he does, this is what the Spurs do always. So anyone outside of those three teams, I mean, you know, in all honesty, if you get to 50 wins in the Western Conference and your star player is having a hell of a year, I think that they should be considered in the, you know, an MVP candidate because 50 wins in the West is like the, the equivalent of, you know, 72 uh, in the East. You know, I mean, it's, and I might be, I might be doing, I might be generous with that. I was going to say uh, that's, that's. Uh, I'll tell you what, yeah, I mean. Yeah. Fifty wins in the West, oh, yeah. You're you're a sixty-five to sixty-eight win team in the East, no doubt about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, if if they come out, if they come out and they have a really good season, and I think they have to get off to a to a fast start, uh, especially with the schedule you know coming out. But I think they have to come out to a fast start. This has to be something that is you know that is talked about almost from start you know to finish. Like like AD is really really taking taking this team to places that they've never been. If you when we start having those conversations, because the numbers are going to be there, mm-hmm. uh, he's going to be he's going to have an opportunity. Like the coast is clear after Gobert stole the defensive player of the year, playing like ten games in the regular season. <laughs> uh, after after Gobert stole defensive player of the year, it's there for him. He led the league in blocks last season. Like it's there for him. He has an opportunity to win defensive player of the year. He was top three in the in the voting, and when him being top three in that and MVP. People are they like the expectations are there. This could be the year that that he does it. Um, the last time, Orleans franchise had a guy that that had an opportunity at finishing or winning MVP. Uh, you, you go back to the OA season where Kobe uh, edged out Chris Paul, and it came mm-hmm. down to basically I you know the, though though they gave it to Kobe, and most people say it was you know listen you know we're sorry you should have one and Steve Nash shouldn't have two. Um, yeah. You know, when it though that's what people were blaming on. If the Hornets would have, or the then Hornets, if they would have won or, or got the first seed that year, they would have. Chris Paul would have probably been the MVP. So 
you know, I think if the Pelicans finish, you know, somehow three, four seed, and uh, AD is averaging close to 30 points a game, which he will again. He's going to average over 10 rebounds. He's going to mm-hmm. average about three blocks. Maybe he adds, you know, he adds, you know, a, a career high in assist, which is which is the next the next uh, level or the the next step in his game. I think, um, you know, when you look at stuff like that, and he's elevating guys around him, uh, have an opportunity as as anyone else. Because if LeBron can get it, if LeBron, because that that's what most people are saying about LeBron. If if LeBron gets fifty wins, it's an MVP. Well, if you say that about the Lakers, I think you should say it about the Pelicans as well. I agree. I think people are really underrating the Lakers, to be honest. But that's our, uh, another conversation. <laughs> Chris, part of this product thing we'd like to do here when we have these conversations about these teams is we like to get the bloggers, the writers who come on and talk with us about their teams, we like to get a bold prediction of what we think could happen for their team this year. So, Chris, mm. on the record right now, because this is on air, this is on podcast, this could be listened mm. to forever, <laughs> what is your bold prediction for the 2018-2019 New Orleans Pelicans? Wow, 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 wow. Okay. My bold prediction. So this can't be boring. All right. So <laughs> let's say <laughs> okay, my my bold prediction is whoever comes off the bench, whether it's Julius Randle will end up winning six man of the year. Oh I like that. I like that boldness. You're going very bold, my friend. That 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 is my bold prediction, and I think it's a possibility that it really could happen. I, I like that. Mine for them was going to be, I think, even without Boogie and Rondo, they're going to be better. But uh, see, you you got to really like look into like what the Pelicans were last year, and really like like I could tell that you you know you know your stuff. Thank because, you. Because because they can because they can be better. I you know um, the same the man man. I mean, I, I can't believe I'm a part of the media sometimes. <laughs> because, because I mean, because the the same people that said Rajon Rondo was a bad signing, it was a bad fit. They need shooting. They need defense. They don't need the headache that Rondo is. With the same people that came back to say how important that, like, I, I just, I don't get it, man. But regardless, um, I definitely agree. With the team last year, um, I think they they needed to. My biggest issue or my biggest worry when Demarcus Cousins walked was that. They weren't going to get anybody close to um, his talent level coming in because I didn't think the team last year alone, without Demarcus Cousins, especially losing Rondo, but I didn't think that team alone was going to be able to replicate the uh, or, or duplicate the success from last season. I didn't think so, but I had no idea that Julius Randle would be able to come. Would, they can, they could, you know, for the cost of a washing machine, they could go and get Julius Randle. <laughs> I had. I had zero idea that that was going to be the case, uh, and I'm 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 high on Julius. So uh, being able to bring him back to that to that playoff roster, you you can make whatever you want to make about about Alfred Payton or uh, some of the other guys, Frank Jackson, and you know some players that that uh, a lot of uh, the media and outsiders will end up knowing as the season starts. But I think they have a good enough roster with that superstar that they have and Drew Holiday. I mean, I really think it's enough there for them to really shock some teams uh, and some folks this season. I agree with you. I had them at plus three. They had 48 wins last year, and my bold prediction was 51 wins. So um, I-, I think adding I think adding Julius Randle, uh, Nico with a full season, and the emergence of Holiday, 
uh, I, I think that's definitely plus three wins. So I had them at, at 51 wins. I mean, the West is hard, man. And, it is. And, and it I is. mean, it's, it's, like, it's like 10 deep, bro. And I was talking, because I have a podcast, um, uh, Full Cup Press, uh, that we that I do every day with my, with my drunken friends uh, <laughs> uh, in Chicago. Um, and um, we were talking the other, we were talking today, like, um, my, because, what were we talking about? Because I think my, one of my contributors who does the Bird Rice uh, podcast, uh, Preston, Preston Ellis brought up, he brought up Memphis. We started talking about Memphis. I didn't even think about Memphis. I, I'm, I'm rolling off all these teams, you know, out the Western Conference. I'm like, damn, like, Memphis is, you know, they're bringing back you know, Marcus All and mm-hmm. Mike Conley. Uh, and they just drafted, you know, Jaron Jackson. They got Dylan Brooks and, you know, like they that's not saying that they're going to be a playoff team, but they're going to be a hard out. They, they're going right. to be tough to beat. Yeah. You know, Dallas isn't going to be isn't going to be a pushover at, by any means. You know, they, they're going to be a, an, um, an interesting team to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, there's so many teams in the West. And, you, you know, you look at Denver and um, and the Lakers were both teams that didn't make the playoffs last year. Denver was was um what was it like what did that game go like to they overtime? literally were overtime. they played a one game wild card, wild card it was a it was yeah. baseball style yeah yeah they were they were one game away and I, and I believe that game went to overtime but they were they were one they were one quarter away uh from from making the playoffs themselves and yeah. they got and you know if if Michael Porter Jr. is gonna play like you know like people say they're gonna be better. Yeah. Utah, Utah's really good. I mean, and then, uh, there's so many teams that are in that made the playoffs last year, and the the ones in the West that didn't make it. I mean, you can make an argument that every single team in the Western Conference got better. Yeah. I mean, that's and the one that's, team, the Lakers, that didn't make the playoffs, add the greatest player in the world to it. So, I, I mean, exactly. So, I mean, what do you do, man? I mean, every game is a you know that's one of the benefits that the Pelicans had last year. You know, everybody talking about the playoffs starting, you know, for them, um, you know, when when they play Portland. The playoffs started, like, in March. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yes, it does. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like the American League East right now. It's, you know. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's no, you can't, you can't, you know, you can't have a, have one game off, man. You no. know, it's just the way it is from, from start to finish. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, 50 wins. I mean, you, whoever the star player is on your team, yeah should be in the MVP conversation. And if it's Anthony Davis, it is after finishing last year, he should win it. So, last question, and then we'll obviously let you shout out your podcast and your blog and everything by all means because we appreciate your time. So, the last question for real, Chris, and this is a dead serious question. Who's the next University of Kentucky alumni to play for the Pelicans? (laughs) (laughs) Um... Uh, when 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 is uh is LeBron's son going to college? Um, no, I, no, probably not. Because no, the rule will be up by then. He's not. He's not going. He'll to be an exception. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. The rule will be different, man. That's a, that's a good question, man. They love they love Kentucky, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, now, see, see, we we got a joke in New Orleans. Uh, basically, like um, Kentucky uh, South. Yeah, yeah, that. But it's like it's like this. It's like the the football team, the New Orleans Saints, love Ohio State. Yep. And the um, the basketball team, the Pelicans, they love Kentucky. They've had every damn near every guy you you could think of. And if they're not there, uh, Pelicans fans have wanted them. Like so many, I had so many people on my timeline. Like, go get Eric Bledsoe. Like, like a couple years ago, <laughs> go get Eric Bledsoe. Every time John Wall was upset last year, oh man, I can't wait for John Wall to join to join. <laughs> I mean. 
and it's just <laughs> Kentucky guys. It's just Kentucky guys. It's, it's it's crazy. But but you're right, man. There's some type of there's some type of pipeline there, man. With you know with Darius Miller, uh, you know DeAndre Liggins randomly found his way on the team yeah. last year, um, and it's going to be another another guy maybe vying for a spot uh, this upcoming year. But <laughs> that's funny that you asked that, man. I really I really don't know, but. I you know I'd be willing to bet within the next year it's going to be another one um, now especially after after Julius Randle uh, being the uh, the last one there'll be another one soon. Man. <laughs> well, it all started with one of my favorite players ever, Jamal Mashburn. And then Jamal has, Mashburn. Yeah, yeah. And then you had Jamal McGlure. Big cat. <laughs> yeah. So, one time All Star. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So Chris, this was awesome. We really love talking with you today, man. Um, before we go and close up the show, though, by all means, please take a minute to shout out your social media, your podcasts, your your writing, anything you want. The floor is yours. Oh, man, I appreciate it. So um, me, once again, and my drunken friends, I need you guys to understand, understand the phrase drunken friends because – because if you listen, if you listen to this show and you and you're one of those people that that they want 100 percent facts all the time, we're not the people for you. <laughs> we are not those. We are not those guys. We I mean, we give you stats every now and then, but we do nothing but talk nonsense for about an hour. Uh, but it's fun. We you know, we come together with uh, with different types of topics and uh, and and debates and arguments, so on and so forth. But it's called Full Cup Press. You can follow us uh, on Twitter at uh, Full Cup Press three one two. Um, and uh, in regards to me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Impatient Bull. Uh, as as uh, we was just mentioned, I, I write for the Bird Rights uh, via SB Nation, and I also do a little football writing as well for uh, the Saints at Canal Street Chronicles. Uh, so I mean, yeah, man. I mean, I'm I'm open, accessible. Anybody can message me, DM me, talk to me about whatever. I really don't care. Any time of night, my phone is always ready to 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 talk to talk nonsense to anybody about any type of argument uh, when it comes to sports, man. So I I have that, and I also have a um, a Saints a Saints podcast, a, a Saints Nation podcast that me, uh, my co-host Brian and Patrick do uh, every Tuesday as well. So I try I try my hardest to keep busy, man. I don't think I left anything out in regards to the the work that I do, and man, I'll do more. But I really appreciate you guys uh, having me on. Man, it was really a, uh, a fun time. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. So with that being said, we'll go ahead and wrap up this week's edition of Forty Eight Minutes with the New Orleans Pelicans team preview with our guy here, Chris, who was awesome to give us some time here. Thank you, Chris. It was great. So like I said, before we get out of here, uh, check us out on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Alexa, and Spotify, and 48MinutesNetwork.com where you can check out all of our articles and podcasts of the past. So on behalf of Ben Brown, this is Tim Daniel. Everyone, have a good night. Good night, everybody.